Okay, so we're jumping in now. I want to um, just, just take a moment to say that I feel like I'm winning already. Um, and so, yeah, I'm winning already, and that's because I didn't trip on the top step. You know, like, it's a privilege for me to be invited to preach, but I won't lie to you, the legs are wobbly when it's time to come there. And uh, just to, 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 to make it past there and to not trip, is, uh, it's a win. So from here, it's plain sailing as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but uh, the only thing I have to guard against uh, is perhaps getting distracted by the thought of maybe slipping or tripping on the way down. So, yeah, so if you see me starting to have a look at the stairs, get distracted, you've got to make some loud noise and clap your hands because uh, we won't be distracted in this place. We won't be distracted by those stairs, our phone, the week we've had. Uh, yeah, we're here for Elamet, the God of truth, and uh, he's, he will speak into our lives. What do you reckon online? Uh, if you see me getting distracted, you just say, hey, in the comments tab. Uh, I hope you've postponed uh, your meal online because uh, we're here for rich food today. Uh, what my small brain has been able to cook up is probably similar to, um, you know, like five loaves and two fishes. Uh, but I'm trusting that God will magnify that uh, into a meal that you can feast on. You don't have to feast on all of it. You just take something uh, away with you this week and digest it and digest it. Who wants to go back down memory lane with me, Dawn? We're going to go to Cardiff. The date is the 26th of June, 1999. The newly opened Millennium Stadium is not yet complete, but the game has been arranged. It's the Springboks versus Wales. The capacity of the stadium is about 72,000 people, but there's about 29,000 odd people crammed into the stadium that day, me being one of them. And things, the anthems have been sung. All is going well for Wales. With about a quarter to go, the Springboks 29, 15 down, and it's not looking good. The box haven't lost to Wales ever, not since 1906. But today is looking bleak. And so the fans in the stadium, the South African fans, just a couple of hundred at best, scattered into all different corners on purpose, I would imagine, decide that it's time to give South Africa a lift. And so we just heard from the back corner, and then from another corner, and then even me, I tried to join in, but it wasn't working, there weren't enough people, there wasn't enough momentum, we just couldn't gather any steam. And then, without any prompting, without any noticeable conducting, with no countdown from one to three, that stadium burst into voice, and it sounded a little something like this. to you. I'm going to be straight with you. It's hard not to be Welsh in moments like that. And you catch yourself midway through bread of heaven anyway. But uh, long story short, the box went on to lose that day, 29-19. As I said, the first time they ever lost to Wales. 
what made the story more remarkable was that a year earlier, almost to the day, they'd lost the same teams that had done battle at Ellis Park, and Wales had lost 96-13. And it just gave me a moment there. God painted a picture for me that the bread of heaven, the voice of heaven, the bread of heaven speaks over, sings over your every moment. The bread of heaven sings over your darkest moments, your greatest challenge. The bread of heaven sings over your finest victories. The bread of heaven is there when you back against the wall. The bread of heaven is there when you celebrate. The bread of heaven, the bread of heaven, the bread of heaven. If you've written in your notes, the bread of heaven, as my, as my message title, spot on, you're ahead of the game, well done. Let's be, one, let's be a, a team who's one step ahead. God speaks, uh, Jesus speaks about the bread of heaven. I want to take you to uh, John 6. It's uh, verse 24 to, sorry, it's verse 28 to 34. The context is this. Jesus has fed the 5,000, and then he's gone up into the mountains to pray. The disciples have decided to go back across the Sea of Galilee in a boat to Capernaum. Halfway across, a storm picks up, and they're terrified. They feel like the boat's going to capsize. Jesus walks out on the water to them, and the text says, willingly, despite their fear, they invited him into the boat, and in an instant, they were transported to land. We don't have to talk about anything more than that today, do we? The Holy Spirit has spoken that despite being a people of fear in a storm, you would willingly invite a man that you're still getting to know into your boat. And in an instant, whether it's in the physical or the spiritual, you'd be transported to a safe place. The Holy Spirit has spoken. Can I have an amen? And so off the back of that, the disciples say this to him. They say, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. Therefore they said to him, what sign will you perform then that we might believe? What work will you do? Our fathers ate manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, most assuredly I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gave you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. Lord, give us this bread always. <laughs> and Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Thus says the word of the Lord. Okay, you can see in the text, the disciples are work, 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 work. What do we do? What do we do? Work, let's work, let's work. What are you gonna do? What are you? Let's work, let's work. Jesus says, no. No, I've come to redeem you. Because the spirit on the disciples is the spirit that is on a lot of us. We see in Genesis 3, 17 to 19, the consequence of the fall from grace from the Garden of Eden. If we go to Genesis 3, it says this. It says, Cursed is the ground that, you, that for your sake. I tell you, you shall, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth to you. And you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. 
Dit herinner my van die wachtgebiekie toering. Sê bijvoorbeeld, jy gaan nou kampeer, nee? en een van die kinders skop of slaan een bal in die bos in. Dan gaan jy daar so in, jy wil die bal nou even uittrek, jy wil die bal uit willen kry. Maar as jy, so jy, hand, so, as jy jou hand so in sit, dan hak die doorings jou vast. Nee. En jy wil nie die kinders laat weet dat jy seer is nie, maar jy wil vir die bal uitkry. Jy wil vir hulle voorsien, maar het maak seer. And then Jesus is saying to us today, this is not a change of circumstance, friends, necessarily. I don't always come to change of circumstance, but I've come for a change of, a change of perspective. I've come for a change of sustenance. Why don't you come round to the back of the bush with me? And let's look at it from a different angle. That ball's gone most of the way through. If you reach in there and get it, And he wants to carry on this, conversa- this conversation. But he gets distracted. He's in the synagogue. He repeats the same message, basically, but to a larger audience. And it says in the end of that chapter, you go read it in your own time, John 6. It says that many of the peripheral disciples, the ones, not the 12, I'm talking about other followers, left. They left that day because the Jewish leaders decided that they wanted to kill Jesus. And they weren't convinced about the stories of eating flesh and drinking blood. And so they left. And it made me think that the closer we get to Jesus, the more we want to know. But if we keep him at a distance, it's easy to move away. So let's push in. Let's get him in the boat. Not around the boat, not near the boat, not sometimes in the boat. Let's get him in the boat. Let's stay close. Let's cleave to him. And so he gets an opportunity, friends, to continue the conversation with the disciples. He gets an opportunity. And uh, we're going to go now to Luke 22. Luke 22, I'm reading from verses 14. In my Bible, it says, Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper. In some versions, it says the Last Supper. I don't like that version. I like the Lord's Supper because the Lord is eternal. The Lord is timeless. He's outside of measure. And so he's talking about something that is of him, something timeless, something eternal, something that will last through all seasons. And so he institutes the Lord's Supper. He says this, when the hour had come, he sat down and, and the 12 around him. Then he said to them, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this meal with you. With fervent desire, I have desired to eat this meal with you. He is passionate about sharing this moment with them. He is passionate about sharing this moment with you. I believe in my heart of hearts that he has told me to bring you a message today. Long before I was even invited to preach, this was on my heart. He is fervently and passionately wanting to share something with you today that we can carry into our futures together. So he says, fervent, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat the Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Before I suffer, he says, he sets the scene, he paints a picture. He says, you're going to see me on the cross. You're going to see me suffering. But before I suffer, I want to paint a picture for you. I want to show you that in the pain is purpose. And because of that, there's purpose in the pain. 
So when we're walking through things, when we're close to God and we can see a purpose in the pain, that we know there's pain in the purpose and we go forward. And he says, I will not share this meal again until I see the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup and he gave thanks. Take this and divide it amongst yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. The second time he says it, I will not share this meal until the kingdom of God comes. Now, every time I hear the kingdom of God, I always think of the Lord's Prayer. Because in the Lord's Prayer, it says, Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So, I was once challenged by this, around this by George Giorgio. He said, our, our purpose in this world is not to, to be as good as we can and punch a ticket to the cloud and the harp that Pastor Mark spoke about a few weeks ago. Our purpose actually here is to strive to see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So if we run these two thoughts parallel, a kingdom of heaven on earth and a meal I won't share until the kingdom of God comes again, he's showing us a blueprint, isn't he? He's asking us to get round the table, to get back round the table, to share a meal and to leave a place for him. Because the more we get back around the table, the more we share a meal together, leaving a place for him, the closer we get to seeing his kingdom come back on earth. Why? Why? Why would that make sense? I think it's because when we get around the table together, we build relationship. When we get around the table together, we build relationship. Think about it. Even people that you know really well, you get, to, you get to learn stuff when you sit around the table and have a meal with them. You hear a story, you hear an incident from their past, you hear their dreams, their hopes, their ideas, and you build relationship around a table. And around that table is an empty seat for Jesus. As we say, we're intentional about this. We're going to build relationship to see his kingdom come on earth. This last Friday, we broke bread. We had a couple of couples around the table. And a young lady who we love very much, Nikki and I love her very much. She's half daughter, half sister. I think that's called a dista. And the dista said to me, what have you read recently that's really shaped the way you are, the way you think? I said to Dista, I read the Bible and I read Sports Illustrated. So I'm going to go with the Bible. I said, what about you? She said, no, I read three or four books concurrently. So Saturday morning found me in front of my bookshelf. Ortberg. And now I've got a pile of five books. I'm a little bit richer I'm a little bit richer because we took a moment to break bread around the table. And why is building relationship so important? This is my first thought, if you take your notes. Building relationships, building relationships builds legacies. Building relationships builds legacies. So someone who's uh, experienced loving relationships becomes trusting and safe. 
Someone who's, who's experienced relationships that are manipulative is afraid and unsure and uncertain. Someone who grows up uh, in relationships that are affirming is confident and proud and brave. Someone who's experienced relationships where that brings them down are frightened and unsure and nervous. And I, I don't know what you think. I don't know if you're with me on this. You tell me, what you say, tell me if you agree. But a lot of the hurt and the challenge that we currently face in our world, in our communities, in our circumstances is due to a breakdown in relationships. A breakdown in relationships between countries leads to a war. A breakdown in trust between a government and their people leads to civil unrest. A breakdown in relationships in marriages leads to divorce and hurt and pain. And so I think Jesus is pointing us back here at the Lord's Supper to, an, to a lasting and eternal truth. That if we build relationships and we build legacies that affirm him, that confirm him, that affirm and confirm each other. If we build a legacy of love, if we raise each other up in relationship, if we invite each other around the table to make the world a better place, a stronger place. Maybe we're starting just with our families around the table. We're going to build a legacy that will see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. This is a really important question that I wrote down. We're getting back into community. Masks are often public. Stadiums are open. People are flocking in. But are we getting back into relationship? But uh, Jesus wants to go deeper. He always wants to go deeper. He wants to meet you where you're at, and he wants to take you deeper. He wants to take you deeper. And so we're going to pick it up in verse 19 and 20. And it says, And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it. And he gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant of my blood, which is shed for you. And so, he wants to go deeper than relationship. So he's not talking about, how's it, brew? How are you today? No, like a brew, you? No, cool, brew, yeah, sweet. Okay, see you next Sunday, brew shot, no, cool. He's talking about covenant. He's talking about covenant with him and covenant with each other. Covenant is bought and paid for with his body and his blood. The Ark of the Covenant used to sit in the Holy of Holies. And once a year, the priest would come and he'd pour blood on the Ark of the Covenant to atone for people's sin. Inside the Ark of the Covenant were the Ten Commandments. On top of the Ark of the Covenant, either side of the mercy seat were the two angels' wings. And then the priest would come on behalf of the people once a year and pour blood on the mercy seat to atone for the people's sins. Like if you look at it sort of as a picture, you can see like it's mercy on top of the law. But Jesus comes. He says, I am the ark, and I am the blood, and there's no law, there's just grace. And I'm making a new covenant with you. Maybe someone sitting here wants to make covenant with Jesus for the very first time today. I'm making a new covenant with you, and I'm giving you a picture to make covenant with each other. So that we can see his kingdom come on earth 
as it is in heaven. If you're with me today, you make some noise in this place. So he's saying, let's make our table a remembrance. Let's make our table a remembrance. When we sit around the table together and we confirm covenant with each other, let's remember who, rocks, who is the rock of ages that holds that covenant together. T.D. Jakes says this. started reading a book. Yeah. Put the Sports Illustrated in the bin. Got this book. This is T.D. Jakes. He says this. When you look at a people who have literally been beaten and a God who has been laid on as a whipping post, when you look at a people who have been unjustly arrested and you look at a Jesus that they found no fault in yet crucified, he is kin to my history. He fits well at my family table. And Jesus fits well at my family table. And I'm very sure he sits well at your family table. This notion of, of a suffering savior fits well with the suffering people of any group. So let's, let's get people around the table. Let's make covenant. Let's promise each other that we will be there for each other. As, as the bread was broken, so we'll break open the bread of heaven, the book. We'll share together. We'll get back around the table in remembrance of him. Covenant relationships are really important. This is my second point, if you're taking notes. I believe that covenant relationships are really important uh, because the road ahead is a tough one. Point number two, the bread and the blood prepare for the way ahead. So covenant relationships are going to sustain us in a difficult time. I want to read to you again Luke 22, but now, we, now we're in verse 35. It says, uh, and he said to them, when I sent you out without money, without a money bag, a knapsack, or sandals, did you lack anything? He's referring to when he sent out the 70, Luke 10. It says uh, in my version, it says he sent them out before his face. So when they looked back, they could see he was there. He was like a fullback, like Andre Joubert, great under the high ball, never missed a cross tackle kicked 60, 70 meters downfield to gain territory. So they felt safe. They could go out with nothing because they felt secure because he was there. When they turned, they could see his face in the spiritual. He says, but now I'm leaving. Now I'm going. I'm leaving you the Holy Spirit, but it's up to you now. And so he says, so they say nothing. We lack nothing. Then he says to them, but now he who has a money bag let him take it, and likewise a knapsack. And he who has a sword, let, who has no sword, he who has no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. For I say to you that this which is written must still be accomplished in me. So they said, Lord, look, here are two swords. 
And that idea of two swords, that resonated with me. Two swords. Because normally you think like a sword and a shield. And then you, I saw this picture like you, you, you're, you're under attack. And you got the sword. And then the blow, blows are raining down on you. And you're giving ground. And the guy's coming at you with a sword. And you're using the shield to defend, to defend. And then every now and again, if you're lucky, you start to start... Get one over the top, but he's raining the blows down on you. He's raining the blows, and you're like, maybe every now and then having a poke. But Jesus said, no, two swords. Two swords. That's a sword in each hand. That's ninja style. That's all out attack. That's just like, fatsua. And so I'm saying to you today, I'm asking you this question. What are you going on the out of? What attack are you going all out at? What attack are you going all out at today? Nikki and I, we're going all out at marriages. We're going all out at marriages this year. We're making covenant with, with married couples, especially young couples that are close to our heart. We're making covenant with marriages. We want to, we want to fiercely defend and fiercely protect in the spiritual and the physical married couples. We're running hard at that, both swords. You must see Nikki with a sword. We're going all out. What are you going all out at this year? What are you running at with everything you got? What are you making covenant with? Maybe, maybe it starts with making covenant with Jesus today. Maybe it starts with making a fresh covenant with Jesus today. He doesn't always come to redeem our circumstance. But he comes to offer us a better way, better coping mechanisms, uh, better sustenance, a better sustenance. Say sustenance. It's a nice word. Sustenance. The best example I can think of in my small brain, the best analogy I can make for you is running. Hmm. Now, I was in grade nine before I discovered my talent. Yeah. Before that, under 13C hockey, under 13B cricket, house rugby. You must know if it's only house rugby. There's nothing wrong with under 13B cricket if you went to Howick. I'm just saying as an aside. Under 13B cricket at Howick's probably like, I don't know, under 14A at Marysburg College. Something like that. <laughs> Give or take. And so... I discovered this talent for running. And I'm not talking about the easy race. 100 meters, 200 meters. That's like 10, 20 seconds at the tra on the track at most. I'm talking about 400 meters. That's 50 seconds of blood, sweat, and tears. That's veins popping. That's lungs burning. That's your Achilles threatening to snap. 400 and 800, which is basically the 400 twice. Those were my races, people. And I've never, I'll never forget the day that Mr. Drysdale said to me, son, you've made the school team. Mr. Drysdale was about 6'6", six, six, bald, shiny head, massive glasses, giant hands. He said, son, you're in. And when he hit me on the back, I lost the breath. But I appeared at practice Monday morning. I was ready. I was the new kid on the block and I wanted to impress. And Drysdale said, right, five by two hundreds. 
But I wanted to impress and I wanted to make a statement. So I went 70 to 80%. Show the older boys who's boss. Around about midway through the fourth one, legs started to feel rubbery. But I persevered. We did the five by 200s. Drysdale proclaimed himself happy with the warm-up. Needless to say, it was a long afternoon. And I still had to walk home, carrying my bag. But a month later, friends, tell me if this is ringing true maybe for a circumstance that you're thinking about. A month later, same routine, exactly the same kind of training, but I'm going faster and further. I'm going faster and further. But I'm being wise. You don't give 80% in the warm-up, JD. So it's not a change of circumstance. It's a change of sustenance. And he wants to provide you with two swords. Later that, later that year, I ran trials in Maritzburg. Uh, but I'd always run barefoot and on the grass like Zola Bud. Uh, and there was no money for running spikes. So we went to Maritzburg. We are running on tartan. And so it's the morning of the race, about an hour before the start. And uh, I have no running spikes, but I do that thing where you just tape your toes in the front there so you don't burn. And then uh, about a half an hour before race time, Dad arrives from work, and he's got a pair of running spikes. They were green. They were fly. I don't know where he'd got them from, but they went back straight after the race. I don't know if he stole them, maybe. <laughs> so I'm just going to try these on in the change room <laughs> at the back. Um, and so he brought my two swords, and I put those running spikes on, friends, and I ran <laughs> like I have never run before. The wind was at my back, and I was like a gazelle. I was round that track twice. I think I lapped a guy. Okay, that's a lie. You can't lap anyone in 800 meters. I didn't make the team. I didn't make the regional team. I came like sixth. But I ran the fastest time that I've ever run in those green spikes, those two swords that my father provided for me. He doesn't always come. He doesn't always pitch up to see you win. Sometimes he pitches up just to know, for you to know that he will. And when we make covenant with him, and we make covenant with each other, we're going to run a race like we've never run before. So we make covenant with each other for the road ahead. And I want to encourage you to do that today. Right now, you have my permission to WhatsApp somebody say, let's meet. I'm not even going to judge you. And as we close, a final thought. Maybe we make covenant with each other because we need to be a people who helps each other lift their gaze. It's Luke 23. It's verse 34 to 38. It's verse 49. I'm going to paraphrase. But... Uh, Jesus is on the cross. And it says that uh, 
in front of him. So he's come to save humanity. He's come to give his very best. He's come to bring back grace. He's come to abolish the law. He's come to abolish your works. He's come to give you grace. And his snapshot of what he sees for his sacrifice are people casting lots for his clothes. People mocking him. People jeering. People telling him to come down if he thinks he's the living God. I don't know if you've ever been in a circumstance like that where you're giving your very best at something. You're running hard at your family or you're running hard at a business or you, 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 you feel like you're following a calling. You're following a calling, but all you see in front of you is circumstances that mock you, that jeer, that point you in another direction, that make you think that what you're doing is a waste of time. So he's hanging on the cross and he sees this snapshot of the people that he came to save. It says in verse 49, it says that in the, in the distance, in the distance were all the people that followed him and the woman that he loved. So when I close my eyes and open my heart, my imagination lets me see, lets me see him lifting up his gaze above what's in front of him, above what's mocking him, taunting him. He lifts his gaze and he sees, he sees the people that he's made covenant with. He sees the people that he loves and the people that love him. And through the pain, because he knows there's pain in the purpose, through the pain, he says in a loud voice, it is finished. It is finished. 